0: certainly thankful for our song service, for the prayer, certainly thankful that Brother Don offered on our behalf, a public prayer that God's word tells us to enter into when we assemble ourselves together, and very thankful. In his comments and his prayer about the upcoming year, I I pray that we have a happy new year and a prosperous year in 2021, and prosperity can be seen in numerous ways but to be to have prosperity in the lord is the key to life and it's always been the key to life uh, regardless today last sunday i <clears throat> make a few comments before we move on i think i think if we're not careful and we let the noise that and the drums beat around us that are going on in any age any day or any year of of life throughout all the ages if we're not careful they consume us to the point that Uh, we lose sight and focus of the Lord Jesus Christ and what life is really all about. We're not the first people to go through hard times or trying times, and and if the Lord doesn't come back, we won't be the last. And the key to get through those times is Jesus Christ. I mean, it it really is uh, to always have him in front of you, never to have him behind you. You know, as we continue to walk in faith, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight, we always got to have a view of Jesus Christ. You know, it says in Jeremiah 17, verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. When we trust in man and we trust in our own, our own flesh, it's, it's likely, if not absolute, that we will, our hearts will depart from the Lord. And like I said, as troubled as the times are in which we live, we can read in history where times are worse. Now, they may get worse. I don't know. We don't know that. Only the Lord knows. But our focus is always to be upon the Lord. Last Sunday, I tried to preach on the sovereignty of God and, and, and that we ought to have confidence in God. And that ought to be the confidence of life, you know, because God is a God who never changes. That's why that we can have such confidence in Him and that's why we can trust Him with all our hearts and not be concerned about what we understand or we do not understand. Because most of it we don't. But God has given us through His Word things that we should trust and believe in and in Him. Because He He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ in th- Hebrews 13, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So uh, because God never changes, we can be confident in His promises. All of His promises and, and look forward to those. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I want to begin this morning by kind of titling the subject, The Purpose of God. And, and uh, God has a purpose here in time, but also God had an eternal purpose. And we'll look at that as we get to the end of our subject this morning. I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll read the first 11 verses, and then we'll begin to try to speak upon these thirteen or 11 verses. For this cause I Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If you heard of the dispensation of grace of God of the grace of God which is given me to you word how that by the revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote aforetime in a few words. Whereby when you read always remember what Paul said there Paul assumes you're going to read you know, that's something that ought to be an assumption of every child of God. You know, it's unfortunate that I believe multitudes of God's children don't read. But Paul said, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. If you don't read, you're probably not ever going to understand the mystery and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It takes some reading to go along with the preaching. But it's something that we need to do and something that ought to be a... a Uh, an adamant part of our lives which in other ages was not known uh, made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ." to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we look at these verses and we conclude in verse 11, we're told there that God had a purpose. Now, We're told in 2 Timothy, I believe it's 4 and 8, about the life that we now live, as that verse concludes, and the life which is to come. We're involved in that life that now is. But Jesus Christ is involved in our life, not just in that which is to come. He certainly was. But this verse says that Jesus Christ had an eternal purpose, which God the Father purposed in Him when He came, To this earth. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But let's think about God's purpose for a minute. Over in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 24, it says, The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. We need to understand that when God purposes to do something, there's no question about whether it's going to be done or not. It's not a possibility. It's not something that you and I should wonder about. If God purposed it, you can rest assured that it will come to pass. God never fails to bring forth what He purposes to do. Verse 25 says, "...that I will break the Assyrian in in my land, and upon my mountains tread him underfoot, and shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart off their shoulders." This is the purpose that I purposed upon the whole earth and is in the hand. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disnall it? In other words, if God purposed it, who's going to stop it? Who's going to change it? Who's going to keep it from happening? There is none that can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? We, We spoke of that in the sovereignty of God last week. If he purposed to do something, we oughtn't to question whether or not he did it. And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Friends, God has all power in heaven and earth. Romans 13 and 1 says that all the powers that be are ordained of God. Even the strength that you and I have, the ability to think, is a power given to us by God. And it's subject to God. There's none that can stay his hand. There's none that can say unto him, why, uh, why am I uh, this way? Why is it that way? We, we see that over in, in Romans chapter 9 also. Are we to question the God of heaven who made us? We're not. He made us thus. I'm just thankful that God made us, created us, give us life and the hope of eternal life. But God purposed to do something, he's going to do it. Remember that. We're told in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. There is but only one true and living God. You know, there's a lot of little gods, there's a lot of little Gs, and a lot of people have them in their life, and they place those little gods ahead of the God of heaven. But he's the only true and living God, the only God that can deliver, the only God that can bless, the God of heaven. He goes on and it says, Declaring the end from the beginning. You know, I don't know how close we are to the end. Sometimes I think we're pretty close. Well, we're a day closer regardless. But God, in the very beginning, declared the very moment that this will all be brought to an end. God knoweth. No man knoweth the day nor the hour. And from ancient times the things have, had, have not been yet done. Saying, My counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. He says, calling a ravenous bird from the east, um, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. You know, I, I read commentary there, but I believe that has reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the son of man, the man, the God man, and he executed the counsel of God. He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. That was always the purpose of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. God never purposed to do anything that he didn't do. He never uh, decided, you know, i purposed to do a lot of things in my life that I never got done. I I bet you have too. I bet you've thought, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And somehow as time gets gets by us and, and life passes us by, Have you ever noticed you didn't fulfill that purpose or that desire? But God never fails in that area. If He purposed it, He's going to do it. And we need to count upon those great truths. Now let's go back and begin to look at some things in in Ephesians chapter 3. I like the first verse here because it says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. I believe that every child of God is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It first tells us that Paul was apprehended by God's grace. Apprehended. That means he was taken as a, as a prisoner by God's grace. He never would have come any other way. You never would have come any other way either. God apprehended you by His grace. Is made a prisoner of His promises and of His hope. Paul didn't become an apostle based upon his own uh, ideas and his own thoughts, and and there's a couple of verses here that that I think verse seven. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. But he says I'm a prisoner of Christ. Notice what it says over in Acts chapter twenty six. It says in verse fourteen, and when we were uh, uh, all falling to the earth, and he's talking about his experience that he had on the road to Damascus. Uh, th- some things happened to the apostle Paul, unlike. Unto me, but his experience was a true experience and a true uh, life-changing event that took place as he was headed out to uh, seek those Christians, uh, those that were followers of Christ, both men, women, and children, and, and cast them into prison and, and even consent unto their death. This was, this was his will and this was his purpose. You, you always need to understand Some people believe in free will. Some people believe that it's it's man's choice to become a child of God. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, the will of Paul or Saul of Taurus as it was then was not to go and find Jesus Christ. He had no desire for Christ. matter of fact, he wanted to eradicate eradicate Christianity. He wanted to, to literally get rid of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his determined priority at that point. He headed down that road and something happened to him. He says, I, I, he says, And when we all fall, fall into the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying, In the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? Now in these verses, we're going to find out that Paul was made a minister by the grace of God uh, to preach to the Gentiles. But I want you to notice something. He wasn't made a minister till he was called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice what Paul said. Who art thou, Lord? I mean, something happened to Paul, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? You know, if you ever wonder about that, read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 3. It's one of the greatest verses that is presented to us to determine whether somebody's truly a child of God, I believe or not. And I'm not out to try to determine that. We know what the thief on the cross said in, in that account that Luke gave. But in the third verse it says, Wherefore I give you to understand, Paul said this, that no man speaking by the Spirit of God, if the Spirit's in you, calleth Jesus the cursed. Notice the last part. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. I tell you the first thing Paul said when he was struck down Lord, who art thou? You think he was born of the Spirit of God? Absolutely. There ain't no question about it. It was immediate regeneration of the soul. That was what took place with Paul. He wasn't out of his own will to seek the Lord, he didn't come to Jesus. No man can come. But he was, he was born of the Spirit of God at that very moment. It goes on and says, But Jesus said, But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I, I will appear unto thee going forward. He said, I'm going to reveal things unto thee. But he was born of the Spirit of God. We know that he was blinded for three days. But I tell you, how do we know that he was a child of God and that was his experience? Because he called Jesus Christ Lord and he was on his way. He was on the road to get rid of Christianity. That's what he was determined to do. He had letters from the high priest. I'm going to get rid of these Christians. I'm going to eradicate the world of the name of Jesus Christ. But there's none of us going to do that. That's exactly his intent. He didn't have a a new experience and turn over a new leaf. He had a mission there, and, and it wasn't to do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when Jesus dealt with him, as he deals with every one of his children in different ways, in diverse manners, we find out that he says, Lord, who art thou? No man can call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Ghost. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Some people might even argue that, but that's what the Word of God says. Thus saith the Lord. So Paul, this prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, he goes on and he says, Delivering, them, delivering thee from the people and, and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. The Apostle Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Very educated. Very smart. He knew the law very well. And now he was going to go out and preach to the Gentiles. In the Old Testament dispensation, Jews didn't believe that Gentiles had any part with God. Now, if you read it and study it close enough, you'll see some places where I believe it teaches that. But the Jews didn't believe that. They didn't believe the Gentiles had any part. He goes on back in in Ephesians chapter 3, and he says, If you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God which is given uh, me to you, how that by the revelation he made known unto me the mystery. What is the mystery? You know, there are a lot of things that were not opened up and revealed to the saints in the Old Testament. They really wouldn't. Why God did it that way, I don't know. But in the New Testament dispensation, after uh, uh, the first advent of Christ, these things were revealed. Paul didn't even know them at the first, until he had his Damascus Road experience. Not only did God give him a heart of flesh and take away the heart of stone that he might understand the things of God and receive the things of God for the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God not because he doesn't want to because God is foolishness unto that man neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned meaning if you're not born of the spirit of God you cannot understand spiritual things that's something that Christians uh, as a whole never have gotten Unless you're born of the Spirit of God, you can't understand spiritual things. When you're born naturally, then you can act. Life always precedes action, both naturally and spiritually. You cannot proceed in spiritual things unless you're born of the Spirit of God. In verse 4, it says, Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in this mystery. These things were revealed, which in other ages was not <coughs> made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed." Unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. There's things that Paul now knows and the other apostles that were not made known. But they were from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world. I'm going to tell you right now. (coughs) Some people believe that because of the disobedience of the Jews, the Gentiles were brought in. The Gentiles were brought in before time began but it was not made known at the very beginning. Notice what it said in verse 9, And to make all men see what is the the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. This mystery was not something new. It was something revealed. It was something that was in God in the very, very beginning. That the Gentiles in verse 6 should be fellow heirs, Fellow heirs. Now, the Bible tells us that if you're a child of God, you're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe this has reference to we're fellow heirs with with the Jews. You know, there's two classes of people in the Bible. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile, and that pretty well takes care of everyone. If you're not a Jew, everybody else is a Gentile. We're all Gentiles here today, I believe. But, you know, the Lord made that clear. And we'll get to that in just a second. I want to get back to verse 7. Let me read, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ uh, by the gospel. You know, some people have, a, have confusion. In, in Romans chapter 9, it says, not all of Israel of Israel. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 2. And we'll, we'll just throw this in as a nugget to understand what a, a real Jew is. You know, if you're a child of God and you're, you're heaven-born and heaven-bound, you're a Jew. You're a spiritual Jew. Whether you believe that or not, that's what the Word of God says. In Romans 2 and 28, it says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. In other words, one that is born of Jewish blood. That doesn't make you a Jew, a spiritual Jew. And that's what the Jews believed in the Old Testament. If you weren't a natural born Jew, you had no place with God. Uh, you had no opportunity to be a child of God. Now, it talks about some of the Gentiles, and like I said, if you study out the Old Testament, you'll see, as you glean through the Old Testament, some of those truths. But it says, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. They, they were given the commandment of circumcision back in Abraham's day, even though Abraham was grown, but all the uh, males that were born after that were to be circumcised on the eighth day. But notice verse 29, but he is a Jew which is one, inwardly, inwardly, and a circumcision is of the heart, one that God touches just as he did Paul, just as he did the thief on his right hand on the cross who was bashing the one on the left hand, and he called Jesus Lord just as Paul called him Lord. This This is something that the natural born man will not say because he don't consider God to be Lord, Jesus to be Lord. That's foolishness. But he is a Jew which is one outwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You know, that's what we're here to do, to give God glory and praise and honor. That, That is our purpose upon this earth, whether we understand it or not. You know, a lot of people are confused. They think they're to drive their roots down. They're to make the things of this life to be the most important there ever was. But we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. This time, as Brother Don said in his prayer, is very short. It's, it it's just doesn't amount to very much. And so many people grab hold of that as though it's everything. It's not. And, and Abraham made that clear. He, he said, you know, the, this earth is not my home. Heaven is my home. He, he looked for a city with foundations who, whose maker and builder was God. All the years that Abraham uh, journeyed upon this earth, he looked to go home and be with the Lord. I think Paul looked to go home and be with the Lord too, don't you think? Philippians tells us that in chapter 1. He was between a rock and a hard place, as I call it. He wanted to depart, but he knew it was much greater for him to stay and be with the Lord's people. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, Whether you believe it or not, the minute you die as a child of God, it's gain. I don't care how much you want to stay here and how many... Uh, you know, I used to think, well, I got to be here for my children. I want to see my grandchildren. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'll assure you, the Lord can take care of them. The Lord, they're in the Lord's hands. They're, they're not in our hands. We can't take care of ourselves, much less protect ourselves. Our home is in heaven. It really is. Verse 7 Whereof I was made a minister, according always means, according always means in agreement or in harmony. With the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Not only was He born of the Spirit of God by the effectual working power. We often call that in the tulip doctrine ir- irresistible grace. Meaning that when God works, His work is effective. Very effective. God either causes it or brings it to pass. God's purpose is always brought to pass. Paul called the Apostle, Paul was called out of darkness by Jesus Christ, and he said, Lord, and then Christ told him, he said, you're going to be a minister under the Gentiles. We as Primitive Baptists believe that ministers of the gospel are not people who just woke up one day and decided they wanted to be preachers. Matter of fact, many of, of, of the ministers that I've known fought it for years. You know, they didn't want to do it. But God doesn't call those who want to do things. God calls those who He intends to call. It's His pleasure to do so, not not man's pleasure. How many people do you know that just woke up one day and said, Well, I'm going to go to seminary. I want to be a preacher. Parenthood Baptists don't go to seminaries. God is our seminary. Our, Our fathers in the ministry are our seminary. You know, Paul was a father in the ministry to Timothy. He guided him. He taught him. When he was a young child, he was instructed by his mother and his grandmother, but, but Paul was his father in the ministry, not his uh, literal blood father, but his father in the ministry. He took him underneath his wing and, and guided him in the truth and brought him up and, and taught him the truth. That, that's what we believe is the progression of ministers in the Old Baptist Church. It's not something that we want to do. We enjoy it when God blesses us to proclaim the gospel and he's in the message. But early on it wasn't something that I sought to do. I don't think it's something Brother Don sought to do. It wasn't. I don't know many that sought to do that. But it can be a, a great blessing and a great encouragement. Especially if you want to do what the Lord would have you do. Paul certainly wasn't looking for that when he went down that road, was he? No way was he wanting to be a preacher. He didn't want to uh, follow Jesus Christ. He didn't want to serve the Lord. He had no use for those things. He was enjoying the old law service. Believing that he could obtain righteousness by the keeping of the law. We know that they couldn't in the Old Testament. And they can't keep the uh, the law today. That's why God's truths are so important and so valuable. His promises to you and I. We can't keep God's law. We can't do enough good works to get to heaven. It's impossible. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he hath saved us. You were saved based upon God's mercy and God's mercy alone. We have such a hard time sometimes, Christians do, of getting this work things balanced out and done right. The effectual working of His power. You know, we believe in total depravity. We believe in the unconditional election of God's children. What does it mean to be unconditional? It means God made a choice of His people not based upon their behavior. If he had made a choice based upon their behavior, they'd all be cast into eternal separation from him and hell. Every one of them. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? That you can be without blame. Told in Romans chapter 9 and verse 11 for the children not being born yet neither having done any good or evil. That the purpose of God, here it is again, the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth. The effectual working power of God. It's effective. When God calls a man, he comes. The psalmist tells us in 110th Psalms, Thy people will be willing in the day of thy power. You remember what Jesus said? John 6 and 44 said, No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. He didn't say no man will come. He said they cannot come. They have no ability. They have no power. Why? Because those that walk in darkness cannot comprehend or seize or apprehend the light. We're told in uh, the Gospel of John in verse 5, the first chapter, and light shineth in, in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. Sure, it didn't understand it. That's what we all think comprehended means. But it means to apprehend, to seize. The darkness never could seize upon the light. It has no power to do so. Light always eradicates darkness. Unless we're called by the omnipotent power of God out of darkness into his light, it would never come. It would never come. Paul would have never come. He was called out of darkness by that light that shined above the noonday sun and drove him to his knees and and those that were with him, they didn't all hear what was said to Paul, but they all fell to the ground. That's the power of Almighty God, the omnipotent power that we deal with. That's why his purposes always come to pass. They never fail. That's the effectual working power of his power. It not only called him out of darkness, but it made him a preacher of the gospel unto the Gentiles. He goes on, he says, Unto me, who am the least, than the, or the less than the least of all saints. You know why Paul thought that? He said, O wretched man that I am. Paul knew that he persecuted the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he consented to Stephen's death when he was Saul of Tarsus he consented to the death of many christians and i tell you when paul said i'm the least uh, i'm the le- i'm less than the least of all the saints he meant what he said that's how he viewed himself one of the greatest blessings i think we have is printed babs to see how great a sinner we are when you really know how great a sinner you are and how you wonder how god could have saved you when you see yourself in that condition, it's an evidence that you're a child of God. You've been made to see what Paul seen. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God. One day we're going to be delivered. He says, "Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery?" I want to stop here and make a comment, a lot of mistakes made in a verse like this. And to make all men, is that all men without exception? I don't believe so, it's all men without distinction. Meaning that the Jews were not the only folks going to heaven, but God didn't love everyone it was those that were elected by the election of grace, those that were chosen in Christ, and were told in Revelations 5 and 9, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. This is all men without distinction. doesn't matter whether you were rich or poor free or in bondage, didn't matter uh, what color your skin was, what language you spoke, when God made choice of a people, there was, uh, it was men without distinction. Just as he said about Jacob and Esau, that choice was made before they had done anything good or evil. It wasn't based upon their behavior or how, how good they were going to act in life. It was God's sovereign choice according to his good pleasure. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who walked upon this earth was the creator of all things. Do you know if you're a child of God he created something in you? If any man be in Christ he's a new creature. By necessity there had to be a creator. And I'll tell you a creator is someone who brings something from nothing. Men make things out of God's creation, but there's no man that's a creator. There's only one creator, the God of heaven. He creates something from nothing. He spoke, and there was light. That is the omnipotent power of Almighty God. To the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God's wisdom is something that we should strive for. Manifold wisdom. His wisdom is beyond our understanding. His wisdom was there in the beginning. And now much of it is being revealed as Paul proclaims the glorious truth of the mystery of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1 and verse 9 it says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Paul began to have this mystery revealed unto him and proclaim it to the church at Ephesus. You see, we talked about all men without distinction. Notice back up in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. wasn't by Paul's will. wasn't by somebody else. It was God's will. To the saints which were at Ephesus. These were, were Gentiles, but these were children of God and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's you and I, down through the ages, the faithful in Christ Jesus but they're all men without distinction. Now we see the manifold wisdom of God, and it's in agreement or in harmony with the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, many people believe that Christ came to this earth to offer man salvation. Christ only offered Himself unto God. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. He offered Himself unto God without spot, and God accepted His offer. This man, but this man after he'd offered one sacrifice for sin forever sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down because it was finished. In the Old Testament, the high priest never sat down. He went in once a year to offer up sins for for the people and for himself as a remembrance of their sins, but his work was never done. But when Jesus Christ gave up the ghost, and right, right prior to that, he said, It is finished. The work of salvation was finished. What is His eternal purpose? I believe we find that in Matthew 1 and 21, best described of any verse in the entire Bible. For thou shalt call His name Jesus, Jehovah saved, for He shall. You know, some people don't read the King James Version like I do. And they've taken the shalls and the wills out of the Bible. For he shall, that literally means there's no possibility of failure. It cannot happen. For he shall save his people. They're his. They belong to him. They were given to him in the covenant of grace before time began. Their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. For he shall save his people from their sins. I mean, can language be any plainer? You know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that I don't understand, but I understand that and it it cannot be any clearer. Mary was a virgin, and the angel came to her and came to Joseph. She had never been with another man, but she was found with child by the work of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the only man that ever walked upon the earth that could truly claim God as His Father. We call Him our Heavenly Father because we're going to be adopted into the family of God. But Jesus Christ is the only one that can claim lineage to to God the Father. No other. Our Father, in a natural sense, is Adam. According to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 1 and 11 in whom we also have obtained an inheritance. The children of God have obtained, not will obtain, they have obtained being predestinated or predetermined according in agreement to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Jesus Christ came with a purpose. And I declare on you today that, that the purpose he came for was to save his people from their sins. And he did it. And there's not one drop of his blood that was spilled or or, or dropped in vain. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. John 6 and 37. All of them shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. Of all which he hath given me I shall lose nothing. But raise it up again at the last day. You know, a lot of people today are confused like the Jews were in the early times of Christ. You know what Jesus told them in John chapter 5? He says, search the scriptures for in them you think. You think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. We wouldn't come to Christ. And we don't have the power to come. As John 6.44 says. But our Lord came to this earth. In the beginning the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning. All things were made by him and without him there was not anything made that was made. And the word was made flesh in John 1 and 14. And dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus didn't come hoping to change your and my mind. He came for a purpose. And I declare unto you today that he accomplished what he purposed to do, to save his people from their sins. He didn't die for one individual that will end up being separated from God. He himself, as we're told in 1 Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his own body. If he bore your sins in his own body and you go to hell, God's not just. Because God demands that you pay for the sins again a second time. That his only beloved son, his only begotten son paid for on the cross of Calvary. You think that's a God of justice? God is just and holy and right. And his son came and died for the sins of his people. That was his eternal purpose. We were apprehended. If we're a child of God, we're apprehended by God's grace. And we're a prisoner to his promises and to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus That hope is the anchor of our soul. It's that hope that we can have confidence in. It's that hope that will keep us going in 2021, no matter what happens or any other year as we go forward. We can be confident in God. We can't be confident in man. We really can't be confident in ourselves. But one one, one that we can be confident in is the Lord Jesus Christ because He finished the work that He came to do, and He made a promise. As I said last week, we rest on these promises. He's never broke a promise. Titus 1 and 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before the world began. A lot of promises have been fulfilled. But the promise that hadn't been fulfilled is his second coming. He said in, in, in the 14th chapter of John, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That was his eternal purpose, was to prepare a place, and he prepared that place at the cross of Calvary. And he said, "If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That I, that where I am, you may be also." That promise is going to be uh, come to pass one day, and I hope it's sooner than later. that He's going to come down with the shout of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And we're going to meet up with him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. We look forward to that day. But I want you to understand as we live here today, Jesus Christ had a purpose, and he accomplished that purpose. He finished that work. And that's something that you can go into every year with great confidence. May God bless you to never forget those great truths and to carry them with you through the remainder of our lives. Thank you for your attention this morning.